Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, June 16th. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Chilowitz. It's This Week in XR. We're going classic today. Ronnie is at the Annecy Film Festival, uh, premiering the short that he's been working on with Weta. And uh, we wish him luck now that the short is out there and has had its premiere. Perhaps uh, we'll be able to see it online. Uh, yes. Ted and, I, Ted and I got an early preview. We did. Uh, and by the way, I like that, Charlie. This Week in XR Classic Edition. <laughs> it's pretty good. That, okay, that let me, smile let me digress and toot our own horn. After three years, we finally are are closing in on 10,000 listeners a month. So that is yeah. very, very gratifying. Yeah, and we know good. that most of you are real people. So thank you for listening. Uh, we are closing in. We are three shows away from show 150. I knew we were getting close to 150. And, and such an interesting organic story of us just sticking with something we enjoyed and liked and noticed that a few other people enjoyed our take on it. And over time, it's been a couple of years, right? It like I remember when you said, Ted, we've got like over a thousand listeners. I'm like, really? Wow, that's a lot of people that are listening to. Then it was, I don't know, six months later, like we're like 3,000 listeners. And then people, I would notice the organic effect of that is people would at when we were at trade shows and stuff, they would come up to us and be yeah. like, Hey, we, I'm really liking your take on stuff. It's fun and it's interesting. People, people told us when we started this that once you cross the Rubicon of, of a thousand people a week, then things accelerate. Yeah. And that has certainly seemed to happen. You know, it took people us share it, with other it people. took us like 120 shows yeah. and, and probably Roni joining us. He has a lot to say. People want to listen. You know, people want to know what's on his mind. So uh, he's he's been a great addition. And certainly um, I, I think that's part of what's uh, juiced the formula. I <laughs> I am kind of amazed that, you know, we're a bunch of old guys uh, impining, opining on a lot of tech we probably never see. Yeah, uh, so it's yeah, kind of, it's kind of crazy in that respect. Yeah. But on the other hand, you get the benefit of like 150 years of experience, which is not something you can find everywhere. We do have we do have a shared journey, you and me. That's and Roni as well. The three of us have a very shared journey of what it feels like. And of course, we we missed you last week, Charlie, because you mm. were doing very serious personal stuff. Yeah, and um, and couldn't join us uh, on on the sort of you know inception of our discussion which will no doubt go on for for weeks and years ahead of now apple is in the marketplace regardless it of what was it was the first bubble. thing in my column this morning yeah. uh because you know there's some momentous things happening with ai and apple which is their product may not be out for as long as a year is <laughs> is dominating the news and yeah. and it's it, the part of it is that it's also excited the naysayers yeah. And the naysayers were were numerous in the 90s. Oh, AOL is going to collapse. The internet is uninteresting. The internet is the phone book with the pages stuck together. And this went, and then when the bubble burst, they were like, told you. I just, and, I just and, remember when the two of I were, when the, when the two of us were much younger versions of ourselves 
And Apple was effectively a laughing stock of the computer industry. People were just saying, why would you buy this? Well, I don't know if you remember this, world. but but Microsoft uh, invested $150 million dollars in Apple because if Apple went out of business, they'd have no antitrust argument. Right. And it was it is very possible that Microsoft effectively created Apple to be the most valuable company. On I, I think that's true. And I think they took their 150 back. It was, yeah. uh, and, I, and I, don't know, I don't know what kind of kicker they got in stock. I hope it was a good one. Not I kind of remember that the 150, I kind of remember the 150 turned into 500-ish and then they got out. That was kind of what I thought, I think. Yeah, I, I, I remember that too. And I, I remember, because uh, I, I, I think they wanted Apple to live. I don't think they necessarily wanted it to, <laughs> to become the Apple of today, which, uh, you know, has basically taken all their business and put it on a little phone. <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. So anyway, we have some great guests today, by yeah. the way. Um, Simon Taylor and Kirk Ewing, these are the co-founders of Zapper, mm -hmm. uh, the XR agency that does everything, and uh, including sponsor this podcast, I should yes. say up front. And they've created something, the first time I saw it was on the floor of AWE in 2017, but they have created something uh, that um, they call Zap Box. And it used to be like Google Cardboard, right? You literally would get a box of cardboard pieces with a couple of lenses and you would piece them together and stick your smartphone in it. It had a headband to hold it on your head, but that was very uncomfortable. The phone is heavy. So you would hold it with your hand. And, you know, the problem with the AR in it was that AR kit was new. It hadn't even come out yet when they started this project. Things did not anchor well. Um, so it was kind of a novelty, uh, probably a little less interesting than cardboard, but a really good, uh, fun concept for what was at the time a small XR agency to do. Uh, but here we are seven years later, and uh, they're coming out with a new Zapbox, uh, which is a similar concept in that it's Magic Leap for super cheap yeah. uh, and some better software. And uh a much better form factor. It doesn't require you to put it together and it's no longer made of cardboard. So I'm looking forward to talking to Simon and Kirk. Why don't we get to the news this week? Uh, as I said, uh, it was an astonishing week for AI. Mm. Uh, even though everybody's still talk talking about Apple, uh, yeah. including honestly, the, the Verge and CNET, which are two of my, and TechCrunch and uh, all the rest of them. I mean, these Literally are the sources I depend on, and and they seem to be so entranced by Apple, they did not notice that three relatively small companies just took down half a billion dollars in a week, and right. one of them uh, is is four years old. And you know who's in the middle of it? Nvidia. Yeah. Oh, Nvidia, of course. Well, Nvidia is on is on. Fuego, as we say in the business right now. Um, so, well, give the listeners the lowdown. Who are these companies and what are they doing? So, okay, you know, so company you know, number one is called Cohere. Mm -hmm. uh, Oracle and Salesforce are also in the deal. Um, it, values, it values the company. Uh, it's a $270 million round. That's the company. They're Series C. They're now a unicorn. And their AI is focused on enterprise. And uh, it... It uh, addresses data concerns that companies have about training models. Right. 
Uh, there is, so that was number one, of course, NVIDIA in the middle of that. Now there's a four-week-old French AI company, Mistral, that just raised $113 million seed round. They were co-founded by Meta and Google alumni, so that uh pedigree there yeah yeah but four weeks old they're going to make ai quote unquote useful per ceo arthur mensch <laughs> so again four week old company now valued at 260 million and then there's Syn uh synthesia ai a company i had not pre previously heard of raises 90 billion billion from excel and nvidia 90 million 90 million, 90 million. Yeah. yeah, supposedly they're actually they have an ongoing pretty profitable business. So uh, at least one of them makes sense, <laughs> even though those are obviously very smart and accomplished people. But it's this just is, uh, this there's a gold the, rush. Yeah. And this is in the long tail of silicon ruling the world. There is no way to escape that silicon and the things people do with silicon have become the mainstay of uh, almost all in almost all early stage investment right now. It's so just, no no yeah. not all not all okay all. the Mediviz landed 20 million for their x-ray vision uh software that works with the hololens and it does something which in a way has been the holy grail of medical ar um you know for the past uh, 10 years which is trying to anchor ct scans x-rays and other data to the patient so the hololens lives on the HoloLens say. lives on, although presumably if it's the HoloLens, you could do it on Magic Leap 2 or the Apple headset or whatever. It's It's been approved to use in operating rooms. They did not realize that applied to soft software as well as hardware. I did not know that software went through the FDA, but apparently it does. So pretty big deal, I think, for our little world of XR. Uh, it'd be pretty amazing if every time you walked into a hospital, the doctor put on a HoloLens and had x-ray vision and knew well, exactly... And to my point, this is silicon, or let's call it silicon adjacent, as we yeah. can say. So, yeah. yeah. The uh, world so is being I do, NVIDIA was not in this deal. <laughs> one they're not in. The only one they're not in. So uh, here's a good one. Uh, a company named Verst. Now, they didn't raise a big round, uh, but it came from Google's Gradient Ventures because it is led by Google alum Robert Gal. But here's what they do that is so intriguing. They're going to let people build original role-playing games, multiplayer role-playing games for, for use, use uh, in the metaverse. And uh, the user makes it up and AI, you know, executes the script. Yeah. So, you know, XI, so in other words, the dungeon master, even though they're telling the story, doesn't necessarily know how it's going to unfold, right. which is a pretty amazing, uh, amazing uh, development in gaming, I think. And it's kind of, it's in a week where uh, nobody is really going to get a lot of oxygen given everything else that's going on, but uh, a really, really cool. Uh, well, and I, our, our guest last week was Edge Sachi, who's doing a similar take on gaming and gaming infrastructure around using AI componentry to build out these worlds and allow the users themselves to essentially be his data mining business um, and grow the worlds for him by playing the game. Um, so that was last week's guest. So if you want more on that, you can listen yeah, to last Ed week. Is, Ed is working on a lot of things uh, related to AI and storytelling, but I really like this idea because, you know, we, you and I can collaborate and talk about the world and the characters in it, and we just feed that into, you know, a, a trained role-playing game specialized AI platform, and it, you know, 
un- unfolds the game and and it's filled filled with surprise and uh, builds a world that you and I had had specified. So it it suggests right. that the world and the characters have the story in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I just I think that's a really exciting idea. And yes, I'm sorry I missed Ed because every time I talk to that guy, I learn something. He's a very big thinker. Uh, so uh, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, as I did, it was uh, very good, despite the fact that yours truly wasn't cracking the whip and that's keeping right. things moving you. along. Uh, <clears throat> well, I love our conversation. So I, I hit the other 149. I think I missed one other show. He actually commented on that. I said, I missed <laughs> I it know. over the weeks because I do still have a day job. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it's I true. Think... We've only had to reschedule a few times yeah. due to your day job. So, But it is pretty early here on the West Coast. And since uh, yeah, all the people... All right. Yeah. So uh, let's not... That's That's a lot of news. Uh, for our show and we've got Simon and Kirk are waiting so let us bring them in from the green room and I as we're, as they're coming in I had a great conversation with Casper their other partner in crime yeah the CEO uh, and we talked about the new device uh and did you get a chance to wear it at AWE Charlie I'm curious oh, I, did. I, I did I'm, I'm looking forward to recounting it Good. So we'll talk to some. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it's $80. Yeah. I mean, they, they, and, and the software has, is remarkable. I would say the Apple is not going to be on the market for a year. Here's, here's a way to use some of the apps that uh, will surely be on it. So this is a whole nother take on, you know, I mean, the Apple devices with tax, you're talking about four grand. Going to be so, so we're not seeing are we hearing simon and kirk you guys should turn on I your camera yeah there they are good to hey, see you Charlie. my friend <laughs> hey man how are you great great hey simon hey looking hey, looking forward to you to, oh i love your background kirk's background most people are <laughs> listening on itunes uh kirk's background uh, is the zap box is his product yes it's <laughs> actually a real one that we blew up to sit in the background here Great. That's that's great. So when first of all, when is it coming out, and how can can everybody order one? Uh, it's out now, Charlie, and you can order one on Amazon. It's currently shipping to the EU, the UK, and the US uh, to start with. Uh, it's currently supporting iPhone 11 and up. But if you go onto Amazon, search for Zapbox, you will see one right now. Okay, so I want to have the experience I had at AWE. I was expecting to get a box from you guys, but I guess I'm going to actually go on Amazon and spend real money so you don't have to ship it from the UK. Uh, But for 80 bucks, you know, we had so much fun at AWE and I was disappointed that I only had, you know, 10 minutes to play with it because... Uh, the potential of the device is great. Of course, the obstacle is going to be how do you get people to develop for a device that um you know it's going to have very few users for years yeah. uh and hopefully it'll develop a following because uh my god 80 dollars is that what it is i want to make sure i got that right because right. it just sounds like free <laughs> compared to an actual apple headset well and and from well, what i understand correct me if i'm wrong i had a an interesting conversation with your third co- cohort uh, casper uh and the way the device works is the lift, if you're already using Unity to build applications, is fairly minimal to get it to a 2i infrastructure, drop the phone into its little holder there, and 
you essentially get a mixed reality experience with with not a tremendous amount of coding if you already have something that's AR kit aware. Is that is that correct? You're already doing something for kind of the magic window version of a phone. It's fairly easy to migrate something like that over. Yes, yeah, that that should be true. Certainly, it's true if you've got a build that works on a Quest or a different sort of all-in-one headset that uses Unity's um, XR um, management plugin sort of infrastructure. Then our SDK fits inside that same infrastructure. So, yes, you gotta you gotta talk cases, to the guys at walk about walk about mini golf. Uh, yeah, I know you guys have a mini golf app, app that's pretty good, but they have like 15 courses and they're trying to make them spatially aware. So the course mm. fits around your actual living room, uh, which is just a fantastic idea. And the new phones, of course, are, are capable of doing that. So maybe you you will have success. I think a lot of the success of the headset, which is fantastic, is going to depend on getting people like that who are already developing AAA apps uh, and and bringing those into this headset for, I mean, a minimal, whatever they charge per month. If the headset is $80, it's the deal of the century. Well, that's true. I mean, we're definitely keen to get as many, you know, applications that we can, existing applications onto to Zapbox. But we also have a, a vision of a platform that allows for short form content and more experimental content. Mm. I think at that price point, it gives developers a chance to, to publish stuff that they wouldn't normally publish on other platforms. It really, it's not an option that exists in other platforms. It's not a place you can go and see little experiments or something that somebody maybe just, you know, built themselves in a couple of days. So Zapbox is also for, you know, experimenters in that way. And right. I think it, you know, I think it places itself. No, so that's absolutely true. You guys can be uh, a kind of snap lens studio for, right, you, know, you know, a wearable device and, and make it very simple. It's not uh, perfect. For people, for people to like just try it. You know, something like yeah. Raspberry Pi in the same way that it appeals and allows people to experiment. That's also how we sort of position yeah. that box. So yes, bigger content, but also short form content as well. No, I like that. Yeah. And I think that that would be uh, make it much more accessible for my students because they're all not going to be able to take an Apple headset home. Well, yeah. right. I, I think, that, think that's an, a really interesting kind of route to market in some way so we're definitely trying because we we agree with you that there aren't going to be that many devices out there now and so asking developers to learn an entire new tech stack to target that box is unlikely to really get much traction so that's that's why stage one is the kind of unity plugin that is is very much akin well, ask, to asking for a day of their time to experiment is a lot easier than asking for weeks or months where now you're competing with uh much bigger priorities for them so uh, I, and I do, I was just saying to Ted earlier, I think that uh, the fact that people will be developing for an Apple platform is, and and some of those apps are probably going to be sold in the app store, uh, yeah. op opens up a tremendous opportunity for you guys, uh, you know, yeah. to, to be a, a serious accessory in the Apple, in the Apple ecosystem. Right. I, I also think guys, it's worth talking about what does the headset feel like on your face? I would think that most people's concern before they decide to go into their Amazon account and spend 80 bucks is they see how it looks. They see there's a phone that's kind of floating in front of you and this strap and headset and holder, which is kind of what we see behind you there. Yeah. Um, how would you describe, is it counterbalance nicely enough that it feels almost weightless on your face how would you let them know that they should feel comfortable spending their 80 hard-earned dollars on something to experiment with this 
um, if they're a little nervous that it's not going to feel comfortable on their head. That's, I think, it's a, it's a worthwhile thing to spend a minute on. Simon? Yeah, so it's a, it's a design that um, is fundamentally quite lightweight. There's, there's obviously, if Kirk just shifts his head to the side, we can see and he's yes, back in the video. Um, so there's no real frame to it. It's essentially a headband with some transparent plastic arms that are angled down at 45 degrees to some clips where the phone goes in. So the whole, without a phone in it, the whole thing is about 200 grams. Um, we've also, I'd like to say Apple stole this marketing idea from us, but we, we do also have a, a strap that goes over the top of your head, which we don't show in any of our promotional <laughs> shots of the zap box. Um, so that also helps to sort of balance the weight a bit more and make it more comfortable. Um, but yeah, I, I guess anyone with that concern would would look for reviews of people who have, who have tried it on and, and seen how that comfort is. I, we're, we're definitely not aiming for the kind of all day wear mm. use cases that Apple are going after with the Vision Pro. So it is more of a, a kind of experience-based, occasion-based use. But we've, um, we have played our our pool game which is uh coming out this month hopefully and you know to, to clear a pool table takes 20-25 minutes depending on how how well you're playing and it doesn't feel like a stretch to to have it on for that length of time it's definitely 100 times more comfortable than the the cardboard sort of iterations of, of the product that people might so you would say about. you would say that it doesn't feel like it's tugging down on your face from the weight of the phone, which the phone itself is not light anymore, right? Apple yeah. has had iterations of their iPhone that are much lighter than today's phone. Today's phone is really a pocket computer. I mean, it is it is not weightless, right? Um, but you're, yeah. you're really confident to let the, the users feel that this thing isn't going to be like, oh God, it's pulling my head down. You're, you're, you're feeling good that it's balanced enough that it pulls. Yeah, they're, they're typically um, 200 grams or so. The phones now so, so the, still so the counterbalance to the total weight is still actually significantly less we have a, a ratchet that that um can be tightened at the, at the back and that yeah there's i see the wheel is yeah. right yeah so you can, back you of the can wear it with the ratchet relatively tight so that most of the weight is sort of on that forehead and then the additional strap over the top um prevents that that slippage um so yes that's the that is the current uh, sort of design philosophy is to keep it as minimal as we can, as light as we can, but yeah, still try to- The other thing that's relevant in terms of comfort is the open form. So, so you know, there's nothing about Zapbox that's enclosed that it is yes. form. You're still aware of your surroundings, your peripheral vision still allows you to see these things happening around about. And I guess that that provides a comfort as well because you're, you know, you still feel that you're in the room with the color pass through and with this sort of peripheral vision. And that's not something that, I think Apple have done in this first instance, we're still we're still trapped inside the headset, whereas in our version, you know, you're actually still part of your surroundings. And that's key, I think, to the comfort of, of Zapbox. Do you want to talk about the controllers as well? What are they made out of now? And yeah, they look like there's like QR codes on them. Why, why it can you explain that aspect of the system? Yeah, so the, the controllers have a, a a marker on the top. Uh, which is a kind of their kind of hexagonal form factor at the top, and then they um, they kind of smoothly become a, a cylinder in the part where you're hold, holding it. But they're relatively um, they're slim. They don't have the big sort of tracking rings that you would get on a Quest controller, for example. And uh, the visual marker that's on the top, we use to have um, full positional tracking when that marker is in view of the smartphone camera. Um, 
the controllers themselves are, are Bluetooth now, and, and so they have some active components as well. Um, they have all of the same inputs that you would find on the Quest controllers, which again goes back to that kind of meeting developers who already have content for Quest and just smoothing over that porting process. Yeah. Um, so the layout's a little different. It, it, the ergonomics are a little different, but the, the inputs as far as app developers are concerned are compatible. Um, and we do also have an accelerometer and a gyroscope in there. So when the marker isn't directly in view of the camera, we can still update the orientation of the controller. So I must, I must say, guys, when, you know, if you think about a device all in, including tax for under $100, when some really clever developer comes up with that app that everybody's mm. got to play, this thing could just like explode onto the world where everybody has got to have it because they're like, well, yeah, you could do the phone version, but if you buy this accessory, you get this world around you version and it's effectively free. Like, why wouldn't you have one? So I think there's there's a but moment- In where... a way, it's sort of, if you do, if you are the kind of person who buys a $3,500 headset from Apple, you would certainly kind of buy this as an accessory to it, yeah. right? Because so, there awesome. might be things you want to look at for a minute and you don't want to fire up the giant unit. It's often the way we talk about it as an Apple, as an iPhone accessory. It's the iPhone accessory you didn't know existed yet. Yeah. So uh, exactly that. And, and to your point earlier, Charlie, I think that Zapbox is a second tier system. So, you know, in this world, we're all, some people own iPhone 14s and a whole bunch of people just run around with Androids and lower devices. Some people will own the Vision Pro. And then there's a whole universe of people that could also own Zapbox. So it does allow for you know these shared experiences, but not at the same price point and democratized to, to an extent. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really exciting. Um, and as you can tell, Ted and I have talked so much about it just because we both had just had a chance to do it. <laughs> this stuff, you know? So cool. I mean, the closest, the closest analog to this, and I know you guys know them well, is uh, there was another young startup that had a, a bit of the same lineage as you guys, a company called Mira that yeah. was experimenting. They just, Apple companies. just bought them for reasons yeah. that that I don't think we will ever figure out the yeah. <laughs> they so put it to radio silence as people often do when they become associated with that. They just released the standard uh, statement about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Apple was a lot of companies. That's Ben Taft and a couple of other guys from USC. They but they started out as a consumer device mm. and they quickly pivoted to enterprise. And it sounded like they were getting some traction. They had a small deal with the army. They were working with. You know, one of the big mining companies was using it. So, uh, you know, it had a it, it had a niche. So, but yeah, I have no only... idea, no idea why Apple acquired them. Although I did speculate in the column, and I would have talked about this last week. May maybe Apple is thinking along the same lines, right? Maybe Apple is thinking they need a hundred dollar supplemental thing that that would democratize it. The big moment yeah. that will help you synthesize this is their big touch point over the last couple of years is they helped. Uh, universal with the Super Nintendo ride. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's an AR component of that ride where you wear like a helmet and they're using their lenses and their, a little bit of their, their software stack to pull that off. And I think that alone gives you enough understanding of what Apple is thinking about with their device and uses of their device beyond just home consumer. Um, 
and why they would want a company like Mira. But we're good on them. Yeah, you know? yeah good great. on them. I think there's another opportunity for you guys, which is dependent a, a little bit on the direction that Snap goes. Mm. But, you know, this is a, a really super light location-based thing. If you go to Coachella and there's a performance that, you know, has augmented reality, uh, you know, real-time effects, you know, provided, you know, by, you know, artists, uh, mm -hmm. in association with with Coachella and Snapchat, you know, that's a terrific opportunity for a pass-through device to show something that's just in the Snap app, um, you know, that they're already using for pass-through, so. I think you're right. And, and the other thing, I guess, about Satbox, because it's not got any, you know, internal electronic components, it is the sort of thing you could take to Coachella and you're not going to worry about the dust or the heat or any right. of the atmospherics when you're there. You just so toss, it, toss it in your backpack and... Right. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it, prices it's, two drinks it's so general. hard to get the word out. You know, I just, you know, you guys have had a, got a, a couple of closet fulls of headsets. Uh, you know, you gotta get the word out. It's just so hard and so expensive. And so, well, that's why we need people like you, Charlie, to help with that mission. So much appreciated. No, it's our pleasure. You can tell uh, how enthusiastic we are. And, and I think it would be great for AR because right now it's viewed as a kind of snobbish thing uh, that, that, you know, technorati uh, are interested in. Uh, you know, That's and right. given that, of course, the amount of attention it's getting is disproportional be, and because it's Apple and because they've been just so good at orchestrating the hype over the past six or seven years, tamping it down much of the time uh, mm -hmm. and then whipping it up the last couple of months so and it's still going on um can i rewind a little bit and just talk a little bit about zapper the company you guys are co-founders you you've been in this thing with casper for the better part of a decade yeah um, and also connell who's our, yeah. our cto and he's our he's the fourth co-founder yeah. so, uh, yeah. you know that's kind of incredible right because how big is the company uh we're just about 75 people so it's it's a really very small company, sure. uh, and um, and so you guys uh, obviously are together consulting on the direction of the company, and you decided to make an investment, both as a company and essentially as individuals because it's a partnership. Uh, so all of you guys are making this investment, and you've been working on it since like 2014. Yeah. So first of all, how the heck did you think of this in 2014 of all times? And why did you make this an aspect of a business that was focused on advertising and very digital and scalable things? So yeah, tell like, us why the, the story, you, why the story of, of how the heck you did that, right? I mean, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Simon's fault, isn't it, Simon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's fair to say. Um, so it's... Um, so Zappa still still does have an in-house creative studio, and we still make um, we still do sort of full production for people building mobile AR campaigns uh, that can run either in our app, embedded into their own app on the web directly. Um, so that's still a big a big part of our business, and our own sort of in-house tooling stack uh, for those type of experiences are, are also a big part of our business. Um, but Zapbox in particular was. A kind of idea sparked from Google Cardboard, I guess, in, in 2015, because we were already doing tracking of small marker-based um, objects in real time on smartphones. 
Um, so that kind of confluence of seeing Google Cardboard and then also seeing things like HTC Vive first getting the six DOF tracked controllers um, and the hype that was beginning to build around Magic Leap and HoloLens around that time, neither of them were, were available to the public, but you know people were talking about them. And so all of those ideas kind of collided a bit and I thought that we could push cardboard further, right? And we could get a lot closer to that feature set that people were promising with, um, with mixed reality and also with the track controllers. And so we had a, a cardboard iteration of Zapbox. And so it still had two controllers. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> even for $30 in cardboard, we had two tracked controllers with little triggers. Um, I have in fact got one here. Uh, so this was a, a bigger, different marker design on the front. Yeah, we uh, remember those days. It was, it was, it was cool in the whole kitschiness of the fact that you were essentially taking paper and turning it into something that was practical and useful. Right. Yeah, <laughs> John and I would look at this for years. I mean, obviously, we've all been going to AWE for years and yeah. connecting with you guys and having dinner with you, you and your team, and and we'd be like, it's so cool. I wonder how it's going to evolve into something that's actually going to be practical and useful at scale. And now you're kind of, you know, you're, you're beyond the cutting your teeth phase. You're actually doing this thing. The mm. you're, you're using hard molded plastic. Now these things won't break. You know, I'm, I'm visualizing, I think there's a huge market for museums and art galleries and folks that have been dabbling with the idea of, mm. you know, people hold their phone up to get information, but you're still holding your stupid phone up. And it's like this little tiny screen. No, paper hanger, paper hanger syndrome is real. Yeah. And, uh, and the field of view is like 1%. Yeah. So, so, so just breaking that barrier without yeah. having, I mean, look, of course, I'm excited about the, I keep saying $4,000 because that's really what it's going to cost you with that. I'm very excited about a $4,000 Macintosh on your face, right? I cannot wait for people to experience <laughs> it and get a feel for it and understand what that's going to mean for the future. But there are so many opportunities for something that is so low cost and so powerful and can break that magic window. Um, mm. So bravo, I think it's, you know, a, a <laughs> way to go to get it past the papers phase. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, because the, the content was beginning to feel better than the physical products at that point. So that was the, mm -hmm. and um, as you say, getting the word out was somewhat challenging as well. So <laughs> won't, won't divulge sales numbers, but we, we didn't sell a huge number of the cardboard iteration. And so it's still more of a kind of our, our product designer who has also been been working on on Zapbox uh, since the start had, had some of the ideas around how if we open up the, the sides and sort of have this this very lightweight head strap how that actually completely changes the experience. Um, and so we tried out some sort of three D printed prototypes at that point and mm -hmm. decided we should go ahead with the kind of the final you know the the end of the Zapbox vision if you like. Um, it's not as if we've got a massive team with hundreds of billions of dollars working on the micro OLED display that's coming out so next year. How, how many, this is, this is it. How many this titles is. are going to be available um, or available now? So we've just uh, we've just relaunched Zapblocks, which is our kind of prototyping game, if you like. It's a it's a little uh, pixel builder that you can drag around. So that's up in test flight right now for anyone who wants to use it. And the Unity provider is also available on GitHub. So anyone wants to start making content for Zapbox can do that right now. Uh, we have our- Sorry, I would, I would download the SDK from GitHub and then drag it into Unity. Yep, and off you go and then just uh, set the provider as Zapbox and then you can produce your content like that. 
uh, uh, Simon mentioned the house party pool, which is our first full form game. And we wanted to just show how effective that box would make. So that's why we wanted to build some games internally in the first instance. Uh, so that box pool will be out uh, end of this month, we hope. Uh, and then we have another game, a chess game, which is going to come out in the next uh, couple of months as well, which is pretty Spatial cool. chess. A uh, little bit of spatial chess. Uh, we have a chat GPT hooked up opponent that you can play that knows everything about chess. So we've just tried to build in. I, I want to play Ted. <laughs> I'm a terrible chess player Me and too. a terrible golfer. So, well, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, don't you worry, because if you play against our Kasparov robot, uh, in the game, uh, <laughs> how to play chess as you go. A little in joke there for those that know the the company uh, founders. So yeah, that's funny. Um, so, so we'll continue. Yeah, and you can that. also you can also play multiplayer either either remote or in person, which is is another interesting thing with with the Zapbox price point is that actually those kind of collaborative co-located use cases are. Are really interesting because for 100 160 bucks you can you can get a set of two right and then you can have those um yeah you know there's what it like, what's it like for media consumption near eye media consumption just not pass through ar but just i, I want to watch the game or, or a movie yeah I, I guess that that isn't probably the the best use case just because the pixel density is you you can see the pixels on the screen oh, really and they so did not realize that Google Cardboard kind of content. Um, oh, so yeah. Video, if, it's, yeah. if it's not stereoscopic, it's not going to work. I can see that. So, if anybody is wondering, I'm holding my iPhone probably. How far away is it from your face with the holder? Oh, just a couple it, of inches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm holding my iPhone uh, about, uh, I, I don't know, four or five inches from my face. And you kind of have to be cross-eyed to see it. So if it's not a stereoscopic image, it, so forget about seeing the pixels. I can't, I mean, everything goes yeah. in. Yeah, you need, so, you need the lenses to be able to even focus. Yeah, it has to be two eye. It has to be two eye content. Yeah. Um, and the lenses also sort of spread, spread the pixels on the screen to a, to a bigger field of right. view. So I, I think it would be terrific. You know, Snap has all these experiences now that anchor and, you know, play yeah. play in your room. If you got Sketchfab, you could, uh, uh, you know, project it on your desk. Although, is it awkward to use the controls in the phone? Can you use the controllers to do something like Sketchfab or internet surfing or anything like that? So, browser is is a is a big next sort of focus for us. Um, and again, back to that content question, um, we think WebXR is is likely the best way in in the end for people to distribute these spatial experiences and because it really is a a build it once host it once and it's up to the devices to actually like run it um in a in a spec compliant way so unity is kind of one level below you, you can make your content once in unity but you then you would have to build it for ios and submit it to the app store with our sdk um, and publish it so there's there's a few more hurdles in the way um whereas webxr is is genuinely um sort of available for everyone and is something that is on the vision pro but again without without controllers on the vision pro it'll be interesting to see how that affects the the webxr sort of ecosystem um but there are some some pretty fully featured there is a, a relatively full featured golf game in in webxr 
that you can play in the browser on on Quest, and so things like that. When we have our own WebXR browser on Zapbox, would um, sort of work. So, how long do you think it'll take before you have that browser built? Um, there are quite a lot. I'm, of technical... I'm quite keen to know the answer to this as well. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. The answer is the answer um, is uh, it'll be a little while. <laughs> it's it would be this year would be great. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah the, so, so right now our launch, we are. We have, we get it. I mean, you have a you have a product roadmap. You have a limited yeah. number of guys and a limited amount of time, depending on the amount of work that is coming into the creative studio. So you really don't know how long it's going to take, right? Because you don't have capital, and even if you did, nine men can't have a baby in 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 one month. So yes. nine women can't have a baby in one month. There's so a bit of that. there's definitely a bit of that in how we approach it. Absolutely. Uh, the biggest challenge is, is slightly technical here in that on iOS, so all of our apps are uh, on the App Store. We have to comply with all of the App Store rules and things. And right. one of the rules is that any web content, you have to use a web view, which is provided by the system. Um, and we've uh, done a lot of work to try and get latency as low as we possibly can because it's video pass-through. Yeah. And... So we can't just use the system web view because that adds layers and layers of compositing overhead, which would add 50, 60 milliseconds of latency. So we have to do some slightly clever things to try and still yeah. be using a system web view, but also be able to use all of our low latency runtime things. So it, it's mainly, there is a, there's a certain amount of resource question there, but there's also a bit of a, a technical challenge that's still slightly unknown, um, but exciting, I think. And, and critical in some ways to the Zapbox for that developer reach. Um, and then it also plays into one of our other products, which is around a whole new set of, of tooling aimed at building WebXR experiences. That, that is exactly my next question, right? Because you, you guys have multiple lines of business. You mm -hmm. have Zapbox, which we're talking about now. Um, and you also have a, um, you know, a Zapper.com studio. Uh, for rent, which obviously you were an agency, you're building tools yourself. And so you naturally uh, figured out a way. And the appeal, of course, is that it's a no-code platform. Really, anybody can do it. Um, so uh, what is the synergy between the agency, number one, number two, your free online tool, <laughs> number two, uh, and, uh, and the headset business what what are the relationship between those three businesses how are they going to power this if you will yeah the hope the hope is that they do all interconnect a little bit and and webxr is is an interesting um case study because with a webxr experience if you build it right um, i mean you guys have been doing webxr for years way before it was a thing yeah so so we it's it's quite hard to keep on top of all the terminology but we we use webar web AR as the term for kind of purely in-browser computer vision, as in it's our JavaScript and our WebAssembly and it's your browser and we haven't controlled the browser. Um, web XR, as far as it's a, a specification in the web, is an API that the browser implements that provides some of the lower level platform stuff to other web content. And so on Android, if you write a WebXR mobile site, you'll be using AR core, like Android's native AR core tracking under the hood, and because Chrome implements WebXR. That, that right, oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear you brought that up. So when is Android gonna be added? That must be on your roadmap <laughs> as well. 
yeah, so Android for Zapbox um, support is again coming coming this year is our is our roadmap on that one. Um, it's so right now if people are thinking about purchasing as developers, we would recommend waiting until we've got um, the Android runtime ready for testing just because of the wide range of, of devices yeah. that are I, I mean I'm sure you know based on the fact that everybody's listening to this on iTunes mostly 90 <laughs> percent of the people listening to this on iTunes I think you are talking to a lot of iPhone owners yeah uh, but I do think in terms of you know it, it being you know massive and mass market yeah you'll have to do Android too no, we're com we're committed to Android, but as you say, there is 350 million compatible devices, Apple devices in the world already. So, you know, we wanted to target that. It gives us a, a stable platform to develop on and just push out in the first instance. So that's why we, we focused on iPhone in the first instance. Well, it's also interesting for me to hear your conversation because as you guys are talking, my brain is reflecting on, and this may be just, I don't know, I would even stretch this to even the word advice, but just something to think about as you guys are verbalizing and discussing what you're doing. If you look at the Apple sort of designed ecosystem, they have a very significant separation of church and state between their developer community and their end user community, right? So the end user community large, they're happy to shell out money to have a polished, finished experience that works the way it's supposed to almost all the time. Uh, is effectively bug-free and and an enjoyable experience for the end user, right? Whereas a lot of younger companies like you guys have to kind of bridge a, a different kind of juncture where developers and end users are much closer together, right? Yeah. And and um, while that's great for developers and people that have the mentality to hack things and deal with things, as you start to kind of move through those junctures of a product lifecycle, you're going to have to make deeper separations between your developer community making the stuff and the people touching and using the stuff. And I think, you know, again, to give credit where credit is due with our friends at Meta, they've done a pretty good job of cultivating and finding a developer community that at least some of them can make a living at, right? And, mm -hmm. and a significant living at for, for the hit content. But keeping the experience in a, such a sense that if you're going to release it into their meta store, it's got to feel fairly polished and fairly finished. Maybe not to the extent of what Apple does, but at least it fires up and it works all the time without any kind of like developer environment. So I think that's something you guys will have to navigate over time as you grow your audiences. Your bigger audience is not the developers, right? It's the people that just want to play the damn game and have a really good time with it and get like hooked on the technology. So I think that's something you'll have to sort of think about and navigate over over time. Yeah, and I, uh, it comes back to that that challenge of who are the developers? Well, their user base is small. Um, yeah. And that is why actually having our in-house content expertise and, and there you go. Led, led you right into it. Yeah. To try and bootstrap that, which I think at that kind of $80 price point as well, our, our hope is you don't need too many. You don't, you don't need, um, you know, triple, triple A, um, whatever the call of the mountain PSVR yeah. 2 launch title is. You, know, you yes. just need a few nice, so sort of tilt brush is. Yeah, we're you need some cool stuff that's fun to play. But yeah. The demo, to, the demo, well, at, the demo cool. at AWE was terrific, guys. So I, I think anybody who used it had, had to see the potential uh, that, that it has. So uh, this is all the time we have. Uh, this is a great topic, an exciting product. Congratulations. Uh, I do hope we can help get the word out. Uh, I think we just did. Uh, yep. 
Thank you. Uh, and, and zapper.com, Z-A-P-P-A-R, right? Zapper.com. You'll see it right on the front page of the website. You can order one of these things and get yeah. to work. Yeah. Uh, or go, Zapper, or yeah. go to Zapbox, type in Zapbox. Well, yeah, yeah. Zapper.com slash Zapbox. Um, our stock is actually in Amazon's Fulfillment Network, but just to correct Kirk, you can't actually buy it on Amazon at the moment. Oh, oh I see, I see. So you still have to buy it on the Zapper for... website. Zapper.com to buy the headset and then it gets shipped to you from Amazon. Got it. Uh, Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend, everybody. And that's our show for this week. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks. Cheers.